you're listening to the C to Z of Movies. My name is Colin on the C. Joining me as ever is Zijan the Z. Hello, Zijan. Hey, Colin. Today is the hottest bang holiday Monday uh, in August, uh, apparently. Uh, out, of the, on record. out of the two. All right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are not two bang... There are not, there's only... Is it just no, one? There are more than two bank holidays. I get confused with bank holidays. How many bank holidays do you have in August? One. Um, today we are talking about courtroom dramas. Um, we're also talking about the films of Ethan Hawke. We've got a quiz on Home Alone and we've got a brand new segment. We're excited about that. What are we calling this, Colin? Um, well, sh- shall we wait till we get there? Leave it, leave it, uh, leave okay. it, leave it as, okay. a, as a tantalizing surprise. It'll be a surprise for me as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, basically, we're calling it the, the only suggestion that I had that isn't, isn't great, but it'll do. <laughs> Unless you can't be saying better in the next 20 minutes. Um, but we start as we always do, Zijan, with news, um, either about International Dog Day, just to make it harder for you to cut around this, um, or about movies. Which one to go for? We're going for movies. Good choice. We're going for movies. <laughs> uh, the biggest news I would imagine is that Spider Man will not be part of the MCU franchise anymore. Hmm. Very sad news indeed. Uh, because apparently Sony and Disney cannot agree to uh. Well, they can't agree they're to like, anything really yeah. <laughs> at this That's moment. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so we had his contract for four, five, five films. Was it six? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, there's two Spider-Man, two uh, Avengers, and a and a Civil War. And we all kind of assumed that they were going to play nice and figure out an extension. And then... Apparently not, though. Um, so Disney has been taking like five percent of the cut. Okay. If I'm not mistaken, and now obviously they wanted fifty-fifty. Yeah, and apparently Sony were only prepared to go to twenty five, so uh, yeah, um, it is a shame. I, I I don't think this one's over yet. I think there might be some more negotiations going going on behind behind closed doors. Um, people have been overreacting a little bit because um, Sony aren't aren't entirely useless. I think uh, of of the Spider Man films we've had, uh-huh. they've made probably the three best Spider Man films. I, I would argue Spider Man, Spider Man Two, and uh, Spider Verse. Okay, they've also made all the worst ones. Um, yes, that's true. <laughs> uh, but it's not like they don't know how to do this entirely, and uh, they would carry on the Tom Holland story. The so Tom Holland would still be Superman. Superman. It's quite a dramatic change for Sony. Um, he'd still be Spider Man. We'd still have uh, Marissa Tomei. We still have Zendaya. We'd still have all the supporting cast. You just wouldn't have uh- Happy bumbling in. Oh. Yeah, the thing is, I can't see, I can't see Tom Holland's Spider-Man fit into Tom Hardy's Venom universe. No, and I do wonder if that's part of the deal breaker because I'm sure Sony are desperate to make that happen, and Kevin Feige of Disney fame is is unlikely to want to make that happen. Mm. Oh wow! Well, let's see what's going to happen. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, the Avengers don't need him. I mean, it's going to be slightly awkward writing around it, I suppose. But um, yeah. I, it is sad, but I'm not sure it's the kind of the world-ending sadness that everyone seems to be. Uh, I mean, in fairness, MCU is now going to include uh, mutants, Fantastic Four, everything, all the characters we've already had. It's not like they're running low on uh, on characters. That is true. That is very true. Um, we're going to get to the Matrix Four. We are something of a surprise. Um, I didn't uh, didn't have any idea that this was in the works, um, but obviously Keanu Reeves is having a bit of a renaissance at the moment. Everyone everyone loves him after well, John Wick, I suppose, was what did it. But we're getting a, we're getting Bill and Ted back finally, mm-hmm. and we're getting a fourth Matrix film. I must confess, I have not seen the second or third Matrix films. I I'm pretty certain I've seen the second one. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've seen them both. I've seen them both. I've definitely seen them both. Um, um, the second one was pretty bad. Um, the third one was middling. But uh, not only uh, Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss is also coming back to reprise her role as Trinity. And one and half of the Wachowskis. And one half of the Wachowskis. I'm pretty certain that Carrie Ann Moss's uh, character died. Well, so I, I was watching a film. video on this. Apparently both she and Neo died in the last film. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Which, uh, I, was, I was thinking whether Neo died as well. So I'm, Yeah. Um, mm. but hey, it's the Matrix. Yeah, anything exactly. Happen. Anything can happen. <laughs> um, so no, no return for Lawrence Fishburne, at least not as of yet. Um, which would be a surprise. Not sure what he's doing now. Anyway, um, last time I saw him was probably in the Superman series. Uh, <laughs> no. Or the Ant Man two. Um, Ant Man two, yeah, it'd be Ant Man two. 
Uh, so maybe, I think, well, maybe they just can get his son. His son looks just like him. Yeah, but I don't think it would gel well with Keanu Reeves and Carrie and Moss, right? You you would hope that all the same characters would be the same age. Oh, Keanu hasn't aged a day. That is true. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where, where they go. Because the, the Wachowskis, I know it's only one of them, but um, they haven't exactly had had uh, critical smash after critical smash since the first Matrix. Um, and I hope this is kind of an evolution. I mean, rather than just redoing the style of the matrix which feels which is revolutionary no pun intended mm. um but f- feels a little bit dated now i would have said because it's been imitated so often uh so be interesting to see what they can do with this i'm more i'm more excited by bill and ted 3 if i'm honest um yeah i'm ambivalent for both fair enough what about speed three <laughs> do you want a speed three no not really a lake house two Definitely not. Oh, that's very harsh. I enjoyed like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a name for the new Bond film. Just, just, just you and me. <laughs> or, yeah. No, the world. The world has one. The world has one. The new Bond film, Bond Twenty Five, will be called No Time to Die, which doesn't give anything more. No, that's about it, isn't it? Than what we know so far. Yeah, it's like it doesn't give any more information. It's... It's fine. It's, it's not one of the, the world's most exciting Bond titles, is it? Um, no. Uh, well, at least it's, they've gone away from the you know the single word name beginning with letter S. That's true. <laughs> if they drag themselves away from that back to die another day, effectively. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm increasingly unexcited by this film. I, I, as I said before, I think Daniel Craig's run should have come to an end. Um, and it feels like the more we talk about it, the more disinterested we are yeah. with it. And there's a behind the scenes, this all seems to be falling apart a bit with people leaving and injuries and all sorts. But uh, yeah, I mean, Rami Malek's good, so that's that's something. And if they if they properly pay off this storyline, so bring back Blofeld, bring back do give us a nice ending, fine. But they still want they still want to do more with Daniel Craig if they can, which is insane. Hmm. Um, well, we can move on. We can move on. Uh, Black Panther two, in uh, astonishing news, is happening um, in May May twenty twenty two. This is like, the least surprising <laughs> news you've come up with. Uh, it is a bit. Ryan Coogler back to direct again. Not a not a surprise there. Although he didn't come back for Creed two, um, so it's good to see that he has come back for this one. I mean, the only Marvel film that was nominated for Best Picture yeah. in the Academy Awards. I mean, it would be silly to expect them not to do Black Panther. Too. Yeah, I mean, hugely popular, critical and commercially. Um, exactly. It would be astonishing if they weren't doing this. Because <laughs> uh, 2022, is, I mean, it's quite a way off. But uh, it's good to know it's in the book. There's not many Marvel films coming out next year anyway. So we, <laughs> I, we, we could do with a lot more in the next few years after that. Yeah, that's what... If there's if it's one thing I'd complain about in the cinematic landscape is that we don't have enough Marvel films. <laughs> crank them up Black Widow and Eternals next year whilst, whilst I'm on the topic then I'll sneak in the fact that Kit Harrington of, of Game of Thrones fame and Gemma Chan of Captain Marvel fame uh, are both going to be playing Eternals in, in the is, film Eternals oh, so Gemma Chan is not reprising her role then no it's a com- completely new one apparently it's an extremely diverse cast isn't it it certainly is it certainly is it's um Big, a big cast, <laughs> very big cast, and I, I think, uh, Kit Harrington's role is called Black Knight or something like that. Oh, yeah. uh, I have no idea who that is. I've read the comics recently as well. <laughs> I can't remember oh, who is that, that is. Knight with a K or with an N? Uh, K. Cool. Because we're getting Moon Knight as well on the on Disney Plus, probably. Oh, I knew you were going to plug it in just to get your commissions. You've well. got to get, gotta mention Disney Plus. Do you know they're doing a uh, Angela Kinsey from The Office is doing a show called uh, what's it called? Something to do with chefs. I don't know. She's going to be baking. I didn't know that Disney Plus were doing that kind of thing. Disney Plus does everything apparently. Apparently, so. apparently, because Na- National Geographic is part of it. Everyone's very excited by that. It's like you're getting, you're getting Star Wars, you're getting Marvel, you're getting National Geographic. <laughs> well, you know how popular um, Blue Planet was on Netflix. Um, it was very popular, true. Mm, yeah, so, again, why are we why are we talking about this? I'm gonna cut this whole thing off. <laughs> this this whole podcast is just me talking. 
All right, I'm not in this one, am I? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no I'm right. cutting everything off. Now. I mean, in fairness, I'm giving you prime content about National Geographic. That's, uh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's going to bring the listeners in. <laughs> uh, if you haven't reviewed in our listeners before, this is not good. <laughs> um, speaking about directors for MCU films, Taika Waititi is making another film before Tall Four. Oh, yeah. It's called Nick's Goal Wins. And it's a football documentary. Yeah, I, this is about the well, worst team in the world or something, is it? Yeah, uh, it's about this Dutch coach who's trying to turn the American Samoa football team into winners. Oh, I didn't know Taika Waititi was involved with that. Hmm. Yeah, so he's directing that. Uh, yeah, um, and Tor Four is due November twenty twenty one. So he does have like a couple of years to <laughs> to do that. Um, apparently, Idris Elba says he's, he wants to come back as Heimdall as well. No, really? Yeah, yeah. I thought he says he's up for I it. Thought he hated MCU films. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I thought the same too. Remember when we thought Natalie Portman hated it? That's true. That's true. Everyone's come crawling back. It's a, uh, you know how I asked you last time whether um, uh, Kat Dennings was coming back, and yep. and weirdly you didn't know. Um, she's she's back for um, Wonder Vision on Disney Plus, um, which was something of a of a surprise. So it bodes well for her appearing in Thor four as well. Um, oh, so much Disney news. Uh, the, uh, we might be getting an Aladdin sequel. We are getting a, an Aladdin sequel. It's not. We might be getting one, right? Uh, I, really? I, I is had, it just speculation? I had it down as a, no, I, as, as being considered, but maybe it's maybe it's firmed up since then. My mine is in the works. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, how exciting! Um, well, I I saw the last Aladdin film. You didn't, right? That's and right. Yeah. It was a uh, mediocre. Okay. Uh, at best, um, even like the cartoons, there were sequels to the Aladdin films. Mm. Um, I'm not too sure whether they would repeat the sequels into live action films or they just do something totally um, new altogether my suspicion uh, is they'll probably maybe steal some of the story points for doing a new thing probably Um, but yeah I mean after the end of the first film and spoilers for for everyone who hasn't watched it hasn't read A Thousand and One Arabian Nights yeah but the genie got married as well did he? And has two kids at the end of the film. Oh, and that? Oh, the f- okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. In the first film. So, yeah, I'm not too sure where they'll Ooh. be going with this Aladdin 2 thing. You know, mar- marital bliss tends to get in the way of adventuring. Oh, what a, you've never said a true word. Um, <laughs> okay. The, 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 the story of the Aladdin sequels is fascinating, actually. I watched a video the other day um, about Robin Williams' involvement and... Uh, or lack of involvement. A lack of involvement in the in the first sequel, but he came back for the second sequel. Mm. And Dan Castaneta of uh, of Homer Simpson fame uh, took over voice duties for the second one, and indeed the third one until Robin Robin Williams agreed to come back. So they scrapped everything that Dan had done and re-recorded it with Robin Williams. But there's a great thing where they they were he basically he fell out with them because of the, the way they'd marketed the film went against the agreement they had with him, uh, and they gave him a I think it was a Picasso. I think it was a Picasso painting to try and win him back, and but it didn't go. Wow, which is like worth millions of dollars, but it didn't go with his apartment. <laughs> so, <he> was, <laughs> oh dear, fun times. Um, Henry Golding, um, of uh, Last Christmas fame this year, and also Crazy Rich Asians, Crazy Rich Asians, um, oh. and other things. I can't remember them. Uh, was he in a simple favor? He is in yeah. a simple favor. Um, he's going to be in the GI Joe spin-off, Snake Eyes. Um, I'll be honest with you. I did not mm-hmm. expect there to be a GI Joe spin-off. Um, I didn't expect there to be anything related to GI Joe that would be coming off. No. Um. So this called a spin-off. Um. I don't know whether it is actually in the same universe as the two GI Joe films that um no one's watched. No one has seen. <laughs> um. So who would know? I guess. Um. Anyway, he's been playing Snake Eyes. Who I, I don't know my GI Joe lore because. I'm British. Please don't ask me. Please don't ask me. <laughs> no, I, don't ask well, me. I, I discovered apparently Snake Eyes never removes his mask and never speaks. Um, um, or at least, I think that's right. Or he never speaks, certainly. Um, suggesting that uh, anyone could be cast in this film. <laughs> 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 so Henry Golding probably should be looking this uh, not necessarily as a great compliment. No, but he's, he is doing... Um, Pretty decent films, though. 
I just uh, think man, he, he might not even be in this. In this, <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's just a stunt actor. Yeah, they paid him a certain amount of money to use his name, going to do the red carpet <laughs> interviews and stuff. <laughs> oh man, uh, um, David Ayer. Oh yes, yeah, David Ayer. Yeah, yeah, he who directed a, fi- a film about a tank called Fury. Fury yes, uh, with Brad Pitt and uh, Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. Is now directing another film about another tank. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Can you... So making him the the only director I know of who directs <laughs> films about tanks. He's done two tanks films. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, called El Alamin, which is supposed to be set in the Mediterranean, African, and Middle East, and it will be centered on some tanks, you know, battling in <laughs> the Egyptian coastal town. All right. Um. Uh-huh. Can you... I enjoyed Fury though. I've not seen it. Um, so. You've not seen it, but um, so it, it it's pretty good. It, Logan Lerman is in it as well. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, war film. So um, I'm quite keen to see this. But it's another tank film. Can you so... reuse the same tanks? Do you think? <laughs> Probably. I have no idea. I'm pretty sure there'll be some tank experts out there, you know, commenting furiously on the Reddits <laughs> um, <laughs> about whether if if he's using the old tanks. Yeah. If you're a, if you're, you're if you're a tanks fan. Let us know. Uh, actually, don't. Tanks, no, but no, no, no tanks. Um, we move on to some more news. Um, Harry Styles is not going to be playing Prince Eric. Despite- this is not news, Colin. Well, last time we said he was, so I thought we'd better change that. Um, the Breaking Bad movie is is is, is just on the corner. Um, this is news, but not news I'm particularly interested in because I've never seen Breaking Bad. But it's going to be called El Camino, which means the way. And it seems to be snuck out. I think people knew it was coming, but suddenly it was like, hey, it's coming in October. That was pretty quick. Uh-huh. Um, this is just a quick roundup of news I don't care about. Oh, I do care about this. Uh, the Suicide Squad, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, sequel to David Ayer's uh, Suicide Squad, um, has cast Nathan Fillion. Ah, um, oh, I love Nathan Fillion. There you go. Um, obviously, Firefly. Um, he also is in the MCU, um, briefly in James Gunn's uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. So yeah. there you go. Um, he's doing both. Uh, I don't think they've said what character he's playing. Um, so that's good. Uh yeah. Um is that all your news? Well, uh, no, I have I have one more item of news. Oh. Uh I'm going to finish mine with some other Avengers Endgame stuff oh, yeah. which we seem to not uh you know. You haven't talked enough about Avengers Endgame. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um just things that we spoke about that I spoke to the directors about why things happen in Endgame, which I thought may be of interest to people okay. who have seen it and liked the film. Go for it. So the first one is why Black Panther came out first through the portal. All right. People have been asking them about that. Um, <laughs> the Russo's. Is it because it made a billion dollars? <laughs> uh, no, apparently. So um, they wanted uh, Sam Falcon to come to first communicate with Cap via his comp. Oh yeah. And because Sam was last in Wakanda, so the the first portal that had to come out was the Wakandan portal. Mm, yes. And you know the first person who has to come out from Wakandan portal has to be Black Panther, and hence. That's why Black Panther came out first. Perfectly logical. Can't argue with that. Mm-hmm. And then the next bit, <laughs> this keeps coming, which is brilliant. Um, people are asking them about those people, uh, those people who were snapped when they were mid-flight. Oh, yeah. What happened to them? <laughs> I did see this. Do they just fall out of the sky when they came back? And then the, the Russos were just uh, saying no. Reassuringly, uh, they're fine. Yeah, because uh, Bruce Banner was smart enough when he snapped the gauntlet to bring everyone back to know better. <laughs> Uh, I did see that, yes. Um, my main question is, why did Captain America say Avengers Assemble when all the Avengers had already assembled? That that bugged me in the cinema, if I'm honest. <laughs> you should ask them. They're, they're all down for answering all types of questions now, clearly. Yeah, there seems to be. Well, I've, I've, I've listened to like at least three different Q&As with these people from just with Empire Magazine. They just keep, keep going. Um Fine. Um, the More Disney news. Um, so obviously Disney have bought Fox and they have cancelled 200 Fox films that are in active development. Um, <laughs> they really hate Fox, uh, don't they? Partly, I'm, <laughs> partly I was astonished that 200 films are in active development. Um, I've made a... I haven't got all 200, obviously, but um, i got some here. Um, I I think almost none of these were even slightly likely to happen. Um, a quick read through some of these. So um, Taika mm. Waititi was due to, to a director, uh, Flash Gordon. Um... I've seen the okay. 1970s or maybe maybe early 80s Flash Gordon, and it is terrible. Um, <laughs> Chronicle 2 has been cancelled. I, I had no idea Chronicle 2 was happening. Uh, I love Chronicle, so that's a bit of a shame. 
Uh, it could have been Josh Trank's return. Um, a female-centered reboot of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen uh, was apparently. I've heard that that was going to happen. Um, but good, that's not going to happen because yeah. the first one was really bad. Um, the Die Hard prequel um, that no one wanted. Apparently, it was going to be called McLean. Uh, that's not happening. Um, a Pinocchio prequel called The Three Misfortunes of Geppetto. Um, <laughs> no one wanted to see no. it. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> um, uh, the Sims movie, um, which is only, a, what, 15 years after anyone last played The Sims. Um, Assassin's Creed 2. <laughs> wow. That was never going to happen. Um, a Sean Levy version of And Then There Were None, which would have been interesting. But that's, that's not happening. Um, a, a film based on Magic of the Gathering. Um, an Andy Serkis film about Rumpelstiltskin called Steelskin. Uh, a, a third film about the uh, Boston Marathon bombings called Boston Strong, uh, following in the footsteps of Patriots Day and uh, Stronger. Um, a Ben Affleck film about um, people stealing McDonald's Monopoly tickets. Um, <laughs> and my two favourite. Well, firstly, um, yeah. uh, have you ever come across Flat Stanley? I've heard of that. I remember it when I was a kid. Uh, so basically there's going to be a Flat Stanley film. But Flat Stanley is just a guy who was... I think something landed on him and he became entirely flat. Uh, my only recollection is that he hid, hid in a painting in an art gallery to catch a thief. Anyway, that's not happening. Um, and apparently, Paul Feig was lined up to direct the Play-Doh movie. But that's not going to be happening. Wow. You know what? I, I would so love to be a fly in the wall yeah. in the, 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 the Fox studio pitch meetings <laughs> where they pitch all these ideas and they decide, oh, wow, that seems like a great idea. I would love to hear what, 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 what their you know, reasonings are behind choosing yeah. this Because these are the ones actually in active development. They're not even the ones... I mean, people were working on these. A Play-Doh movie. A Play-Doh movie. A movie about Play-Doh. But clearly, like... I mean, I just, I can just, I'd like to find the one in the Disney meeting where they discovered this stuff. It's like, they were working on what? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There we go. Um, We move on into our next segment to See or Not to Z, where we talk about films that we've seen recently and tell you the list on whether you should see them, whether you should not Z them. Zijan, have you seen a film? I have, but we're going to talk about it in another segment. Okay, well, um, so we'll wait for that one. Um, I have also seen um, that film, but I've also seen another film called Adrift. Um, which is on Netflix, uh, stars Shailene Woodley and Sam Claflin. Um, you love Shailene Woodley. I love Shailene Woodley. I also love Sam Claflin. I think he's fantastic, fantastic uh, actor. Very, very versatile. I only see him in Hunger Games. Um, yeah, I, I definitely recommend Their Finest and uh, Journey's End, both war films, but um, I think about the second and the first world war, respectively. Um, he is very, very good in both of those. Uh yeah, he's also on Peaky Blinders, which I haven't seen, but there, uh, I think he's going places. But um, Adrift is, yeah, Shane Woodley and Sam Claflin, who are um, basically a couple who, uh, who in a sh- in a storm, they're on a boat in a storm, um, mm. and basically they get cut adrift. So they they um, they're sailing across the Atlantic, and it all goes horribly wrong. Um, so, oh, so it's a survival film. Yeah, basically, yeah. So it's a bit like All Is Lost, the Robert Redford film a few years ago. Um, in that respect, uh, but it's kind of intercut. It starts off with kind of Shane Woodley coming around on the, in the middle of this kind of devastation and then it intercuts between them them meeting each other and the kind of the advancement of their relationship and then you cut back to the to the boat etc uh, it's really really good uh, one of my favourite films I've seen for a while actually um, the two leads are very very strong um, it's very well paced it's only 90 something minutes so it's, it's quite pacey um, oh Okay, I'll, I'll just check it out then. It's only one and a half hours. I can do that. Yeah, and I say it's on Netflix. Uh, I was actually when this was first announced, it was um, it was Shailene Woodley and Miles Teller were lined up for it, and I, I'm uh, I love Spectacular Now, which is those two. So I was very much looking forward to this, and then Miles Teller had to pull out. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely, definitely watch this one. Okay. Um, we move on then to the main segment of the day. Actually, no. Let's 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 not. Let's 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 spring the new segment. The new segment onto the. What uh, is this brand new segment the, that we're doing? Colin? public. It's called. It's called look back in Oscar. Um, a clever. Yeah, that's our title. A clever pun on look back in anger, because anger kind of sounds like Oscar. <laughs> did Did you just congratulate yourself about the cleverness of your own title? I feel that people need to understand the cleverness of the title. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, I came up with two suggestions. One of them was pattern recognition, but it requires us only ever to watch the film pattern. Um, so I think this is the better one. Um, Zijan, this is your, what are we doing this is your idea. Do you want to explain to, uh, the, to the listeners what this is? 
it is my idea. Um, yeah. So we we've always been looking at very recent films, and we always talk about latest blockbusters. And fair enough, because you know those are out in the cinemas. Um, it's easier for us to catch them as well. Yep. But we thought it would be a good idea to actually have a look back at some of the past winners of um Oscars. Um, in particular, the the Best Picture Oscar. Exactly. Mm. Um, and there's there's so many films which I've not seen before. I've always wanted to have a look at them, and I thought, why not? Let's put them in our podcast and give me a reason to watch them as well. There you go. So, uh, so some of the, I, I think it's fair to say that I've seen more of these already than than you have. Um, Probably, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, there'll be quite a few that I haven't, and there'll also be uh, there'll be some that uh, I've entirely forgotten about. So I'm going to have to watch them again. Um, so, what are we starting with? Um, we are starting with the Sting in 1973. Uh, the, the sound you could have, might have just heard was me looking up the year, but you're way ahead of me. Good work. <laughs> I've done my research. This is my segment. Yes. Although the name is yours, Colin. The very <laughs> to, to be clear, you're not taking the blame for that. <laughs> so, um, so the Sting, I, I've known about the Sting, or at least the music from the Sting, because I used to learn how to play the entertainer mm, on the piano. Scott Joplin. Yeah, yeah so actually. that's... Mm-hmm where I heard a lot about this thing, but I've not seen the film before. So it stars Paul Newman and a very, very young Robert Redford, mm. who plays a pair of grifters who are there to con a mob boss who is played by Robert Shaw. With, and, and I know that you are no judge of British accents necessarily, but one of the worst Irish accents I've ever heard in film. Was this supposed to be an Irish accent? Uh, yes. yes. <laughs> I can't really tell. And so this film is directed by George Roy Hill, who directed them both as well. Um, Paul Newman and Robert Redford in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Mm. It won seven Oscars, including Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Screenplay. So quite a um, big film then. Yeah, that's, that's huge, isn't it? Um yeah. It's it's interesting because I think a lot of people associate uh, Paul Newman and Robert Redford together as actors, but they only did those two films together. Um, mm. Butch Casting as well. But those are very two popular films. They're both, both huge films, and they work yeah. so well together. Um, and it's interesting that the the original idea from the script was that so the, as you say they played two grifters, but um, Robert Redford is kind of the, the young guy who's learning the ropes. He does the short cons generally, so mm. he's just kind of stealing money off people in the street, and he kind of get comes into this this bigger long con. Of uh, of Robert of, of Paul Newman, but the Paul Newman character was originally supposed to be much older, and then Paul ah. Paul Newman became available. So like, okay, fine, but we'll change it. So you can kind of tell in the in the characterization that is he's supposed to have been around the block a few times, and perhaps um, is a bit little on the young side for that. But uh, it, because of the the power of their relationship, I think that that you don't really worry too much about that. They have good chemistry. That, that's so <laughs> undeniable good. in the so film. Good. Yeah. Um, this is. I don't, have you ever watched the hustle? So, uh, sorry, have you watched hustle? I've always watched. I I, I watch hustle. I think um, people on the podcast know that I love my heist films. Mm. I love heist films. It's it's just brilliant to watch. Like to see how everything unfolds in the end. Like in Ocean's Eleven, I love I love all mm. all things heist. So and cons. I mean, I I hadn't. I, I've I've seen this film a few times now, but um, I I I loved hustle, but I hadn't really realized how much of a debt hustle owes to this film. Because uh, it's basically the same setup. It is, um, and in fact, one episode of Hustle, they literally do this con. Although, in fairness, they do, they do at least admit they're kind of doing the sting. Um, but it's literally <laughs> exactly the same thing. Uh, so, and just fun little things like um, uh, they, yeah, when they they need to con this businessman into thinking they're legitimate, um, they pretend to be painters, decorators in an office, and and just, mm. just just fun little throwaway stuff like that um, is is great. People do speak very fast in old films, don't they? It was a struggle for me to to pick up okay. a lot of what they were saying. Um, I, I don't know, maybe it was the accent that they were trying to put on, but it, it's quite a common thing like in all the films that I've watched in the past. I'm not too sure. Maybe they don't enunciate as clearly as they do now, nice. but I, I, I think I'm struggling. I struggled a bit in the, when I was watching this film to pick up what they were saying. Well, I think in this film, I, I can see that as a kind of, it's, I think, a stylistic choice to be a bit kind of rat-a-tat dialogue. Mm. I wouldn't. I've noticed that in general. Maybe it's just, yeah. Maybe the sound quality is just not as good. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I I enjoy the film. I I like both um the relationship in Newman and Redford as we talked about before. Um, and I like Scott Joplin's music yeah. as well. So it's 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 a good, um, 
Yeah, and I like heist, heist films. Yeah. So everything in there is everything that I like. Um, there are a few bits which I found a bit odd, but I guess it's a, a, a show of the times, really. Like the, the chase sequences that they have in it, oh, yeah. which were very extended, it seemed like. Um, um, so obviously, like the mob boss were hiring people to chase after um, Robert Redford's character. Um, and the policemen were chasing after him as well, and there were very long extended chase sequences in the film. And I didn't get that bit. Okay. It just yeah drew me out a little bit. But I think that those kind of things are very popular in in old films. Or maybe I'm just generalizing yeah, <laughs> because yeah, I've not yeah. seen many. I think um I think it's fair to say that uh, films these days are much pacier. Although actually, particularly for the time, this is a very pacey film. I I, I think it's, it's kind of it's it's always moving. It's always you know, the rugs being pulled out from underneath you. Uh, I love this film actually. I think it's fantastic. Um, it's clever. It it's not too clever. Like you, you, you're not always feeling that you're being, hmm. um, or the, the plot isn't as convoluted as some of these things are. Although there is the, the kind of a subplot of this this woman he hooks up with. Um, I felt that was a bit too convoluted and perhaps didn't need to be in there. But other than that, I think everything makes sense. When when they kind of reveal what they've been doing, it's all. Uh, it okay. surprises you, but you can kind of get where they're coming from when they explain it. Yeah, um, that's the that's the best bit about this kind of films, though heist mm. films, the big review at the exactly. end, which is very satisfying. And I think this has been much. I, mean, I don't think we'd have Ocean's Eleven without this this film. I think, mm. I mean, certainly much more so than the original Ocean's Eleven, which is not clever at all. Um, so yeah, I. I I'm going to chalk this up as as a successful first instalment of Look Back and Oscar. Would you, Would you agree? Yeah, I, I think so too. And it, as I said, it's it's good to watch films that I've always heard of but have not seen. Mm. So it's always a good excuse to do that. So there you go. So um, so our plan for this segment is to alternate um between look back and Oscar and actor factor uh, in future uh, in future episodes. So next for next time is going to be a bit different anyway. Uh, because you're not going to be here. Um, no, I won't. But for this episode, just for just for this episode, we're going to do both because we already hadn't lined up. Um, mm-hmm. And we're not going to. We're not the kind of people who change our minds about stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure our listeners who can point us to a specific <laughs> podcast where we actually do that. I'm sure we frequently do. Um, so in fact, let's do this now. I'm I'm, I'm throwing the order all over the shop today. Um, let's talk about the films of Ethan Hawke in our okay. in our actor factor segment. I have seen very few Ethan Hawke films. Likewise, yes. <laughs> I've seen eight. Um, I've seen much fewer than okay. that, actually. So you can start. Okay. Uh, so I think well, the thing he's possibly best known for is the Before trilogy. Um, before yep. Sunrise, Before Sunset. Before Which I've not seen, that's why. <laughs> okay. Um, so he and Julie Del- uh, Delpy, I think, um, directed by Richard Linklater, uh, these are, I think, nine years apart or seven years apart. Um, and what wasn't conceived as a trilogy, it was originally kind of, so before Sunrise, it's um, the two of them kind of meeting by chance on a train across Europe and then spending a night uh, kind of wandering around the city together and falling in love. And it's a beautiful love story. I, I, I like this this kind of weird subgenre of people wandering around a city at night and falling in love, um, which there are quite a few films along those lines, actually, surprisingly, surprisingly many, but uh, few are done as well as this. Um, it's it's beautiful. Um, Before Sunset, I say, picks up uh, seven or nine years later, one of those, and is kind of seeing well, what happened to them after the end of the first one. Um, he has become a novelist and has written basically about the experience, so you see how they react to that. Um, it's also it's also good. I think it's it's if the first one was all about kind of a young romantic idealism, this next one is a bit more about the the, the truth you face when when you have kind of can't be quite so idealistic. Mm-hmm. And then before midnight is again set the same length of period, so the same period of time later, um, and follows kind of when again they've become more jaded and cynical, and, and see how that relationship between the two of them has developed. I think perhaps the weakest of the three. Um, we're not that far off where the next one might be if they're carrying on this this time period, and I, and I wouldn't rule it out. So uh, I'd be, I, I, whilst before midnight, I say is probably the least satisfying of them. I would definitely be want to to catch up with where they are. So it's it's oh. kind of the least trilogy like trilogy because they <laughs> definitely at no point did they conceive we're going to do a sequels, um, and it, it feels stylistically quite. Well, quite similar, I suppose. It's a lot of um, kind of wandering around cities together and, and fairly free-flowing dialogue. But um, they different points of view, I suppose. 
Um, but yeah, I think definitely watch Before Sunrise and see what you think. Okay, I should look. Uh, I should look it up. Uh, uh, speaking of Richard Linklater, mm-hmm. the only film I've seen and with you as well. Oh yeah, uh, not not yeah, which stars Ethan Hawke. It's a boyhood. Is this sorry? Is this the only Ethan Hawke film you've seen? Uh, no, okay. I've seen three. Okay, fine. So this is one of three. If, if I know it, I think I know the two. But um, yeah, you probably do. Uh, but yeah, because we spoke about one of them as well before. Yep. Um, yeah, so Boyhood, um, you and me and Jenny <laughs> both saw it in the cinema together. Yep. Um, it, it's you have a very, a very good memory ambitious. for who you watch films with. I had no idea that we... Uh, yeah, we did, we did. Um, and it's a very ambitious undertaking by Richard Link later because he filmed like five minutes of in every single year for how many years? Like uh, 20 years? I think it was 12 12 years okay and it shows the growth of a boy to adulthood um, and Ethan Hawke plays his father mm. Mm. Um, and this was one of the films that was touted to win Best Picture back then but lost to Birdman yeah, yeah. it was quite a surprise at the time wasn't it um, although I, th- I think Birdman is a better film personally yeah. me uh, me too um, there were parts in this film where it dragged on a lot yeah and this this film is two hours and 45 minutes long which is too long it's very long um, it's way too long and yeah as you say it, it, it's, it's a fantastic idea and I think they put off very well for what it was um, but I, I've, I've never felt any inclination to go back and watch this again if I'm honest no me neither because every time I look it up I was like do I have three hours to spend yeah. on this and I definitely do not even though Patricia Arquette uh, won the Oscar for it if I'm not mistaken I'd forgotten that Okay. Yeah, and she she did a great job in it as the the mum. Yeah, and I, I kind of liked that it was very kind of um, slow paced, not not masses happening, and then, but then suddenly in the middle they they throw in a kind of a very dramatic divorce and domestic violence and stuff, and I think this, I mean obviously that happens, but it felt a bit out of place with the rhythm that being built up. I guess they needed some something. Something needed to happen, yeah. If it, yeah. It just, but, because if not, it was just dull, isn't it? Like it's just someone's life. Like I don't, I'm not there to see someone's life filmed. There are home videos yeah. for this. But it was interesting, I say, to see the kid growing from. Uh, I guess he was probably six or seven when it started, and went on to mm-hmm. to young adulthood. Um, is is the next one Dead Poets Society? Yes. What a film! What a film! Um, You've, or Captain My Captain. You've all seen Dead Poets Society. Um, yeah, there's not much to talk about. Yeah. We all love it. Uh, yeah, you should watch it. It's great. Everyone I'm more of a fan of um, Good Will Hunting, if we're talking... Uh, Robin Williams as inspiring... Dramas, prof- inspiring dramas, <laughs> yes. Um, but Dead Poets Society is great as well. Uh, he was in Quiz Show in an uncredited role. Um, he seemed to, he did seem to have um, a long period after... So obviously he was a kid in Dead Poets Society or teenager and then didn't seem to do anything much for quite a long time. So he was, he was in Quiz Show, but I don't know how much... Which is um, which is pretty good. It's uh, Ray Fiennes. It's based on a true story of a guy who was on an American TV quiz thing and, and became very famous. But then it turned out they were feeding uh, contestants the answers, so it was a big scandal at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, before you do the big finish, I'll also mention Ten Thousand Saints, um, which I got because I'm a big fan of Haley Steinfeld. And she's in that. Um, I think she plays his daughter in it, if I remember rightly. Um, it's also got Asa Butterfield. It's not very good. Um, it's it's not bad as such, but it's it's just very forgettable. And in fact, I think I, I had it on DVD and I've given it away. So it's it's one of that rare, rare flocks. I thought I'm never going to want to watch this again. Okay. Um, take us home with the Magnificent Seven season, which we've spoken about and had a podcast about as well. We did do a whole so episode. If you want it. to know, yeah. we did. If you know want want to know what we think about it, do check it out. So I thought it was pretty good. Um, so what's your favourite? Uh, Dead Point Society. Society. Um, and your least favourite? It's between Boyhood and Magnificent Seven, isn't it? It's I guess so, because those are the three you've seen. <laughs> yeah, it's Magnificent Seven, I guess. Although Boyhood is quite dull. Um, I'm going to say that Before Sunrise is my favourite, and 10,000 Saints is my least favourite. Um, so we're not doing a, an X Fact next time because no! we're doing a. Well, next time, I say you're not here. But when we when we meet again, Dijan, um we're doing Look Back in Oscar. Um, and we're doing From Here to Eternity. Which I've not heard of. Um, I want to do this because I own it on DVD. I have not got around <laughs> to watch it. <laughs> this, is, this is, most of my suggestions will be uh, uh, DVDs I've not yet got around um, to watching. Most of my suggestions will be that if it's on YouTube, and I can watch it on YouTube, then yes, it's uh, 
No, I can't. Well, it's a 1953 film, uh, and it won eight Oscars. So, uh, must be good. Mm-hmm. We move on finally then to our, our main segment of the day, and it's not finally. We have 15 minutes to go. Um, good lord. Okay, <laughs> um, it's courtroom dramas. Um, you know what they are. I was I was not sure whether I so said we call it courtroom dramas. But I think do we include courtroom comedies? Probably, I've, yeah. I've got a couple down here of comedies. We must have put everything together. But, yeah, um, I think courtroom films, I think the reason why they're very popular is because people like to see this battle of the whales, battle of the mind thing. Yeah. And again, like heist films, the big review at the end is always very fun to to see how it, it unravels and come to that conclusion. Yeah. It makes sense. <laughs> you have the rug pull out from you um, in a lot of these things. You're right. I guess it's, it's kind of... A lot of stories, a lot of films will be about um, two strong uh, protagonists who, who are kind of battling against each other. Um, yes. This just makes it very obvious because you put it in, a, in an official setting. So it feels kind of less metaphorical, I suppose, than a lot of films. You're kind of mm. literally just seeing this this happen. Generally, you've got the kind of the plucky underdog against the the the. Um, uh, the state or, or the powerful person or the establishment whatever it is you get a lot, lot lots of those kind of things um, and whether whether that's defence or prosecution can dramatically change in some of these that is true that is true but um, the first film that I want to talk about yep is a very old film actually oh, yeah. 1957 just four years after From Here to Eternity yeah um, I watched 12 Angry Men oh yes uh, by Sidney Lumet and starring the late uh, Henry Fonda. Hmm, whose son died this week. Anyway. Yes, uh, yeah. Uh, yes, uh, this is based on a play, is it? I think it's based on a play. I think so. Have you seen it? Yes. Yep. It's brilliant. Uh, so for those who don't know, it's, it tells the story of the jurors uh, who are trying to decide whether the defendant is guilty or not. And this whole film is shot mostly in just one single room Yeah. with only these 12 men. And it's just looking at them um, going back and forth, trying to um, argue um, why you know this person is guilty or not guilty. Yeah, so it starts off with with eleven of them saying he is, and Henry Fonda alone saying he isn't, and then he yes over the course of time he manages to persuade spoilers <laughs> for twelve hungry men attempts to persuade um, the rest of them to come around to his point of view. It's I had it on my list. I was thinking, is it a courtroom drama? Because they. I don't think they ever go into a courtroom, but um, but I, I know what you mean. It basically is. Um, it basically is because they're, they're just talking about the whole guilty not guilty thing. In like in most of the courtroom dramas that we have as well, you'll see people just arguing about that as well. And it's interesting because it's it's not an aspect you generally see in courtroom because generally the, the the winning thing is um, the lawyer produces the, the killer argument and everyone yeah. everyone's amazed. And you kind of you don't even see kind of you take the jury deliberations for granted. You think okay, well they must have been convinced by that. Whereas there's a whole other film that goes on that is before this this scene, I guess. Um, it does feel very much like a play, I think, because it's all set in one room and takes place more or less in real time. Yes, uh, I think many plays have been done based on uh, <laughs> based on this film hmm. as well. I'm not too sure which came first anyway. I um, think the play came first, but I, I could be wrong. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it bugged me a little bit because there are some leaps. Oh, yeah, of course, um, of course. Um, like... So I I, mean, I was doing some research on this because I, I really enjoyed the film. There there are some leaps of uh, mm. <laughs> logic uh, to to get to the final conclusion, but um, and and I um I was reading about that the Supreme Court justice in America was very inspired by this film. Oh yeah, especially by uh one of the juror speech, the the immigrant speech about oh, yeah. the importance of having being a juror and why you should take it seriously. Um, but she also warned that not to use the film as an example of being a good juror because there were lots of conclusions that are based on speculation yes. not yeah. fact <laughs> and I think this is I mean, obviously we're not lawyers but um, this is obviously um, very prevalent in courtroom films that they don't really follow good law um, <laughs> no. um, if we had a if we had a courtroom lawyer on the podcast I'm sure they could uh, point a lot of things out but um, yeah so all the kind of Objections that are shouted out, or things that should have been overruled, or uh, budding the witness, whatever else. Um, there's one called Anatomy of a Murder, which apparently um, is is what largely regarded as being the most accurate, and in fact um, is sometimes used with, or has been used with, with legal students to show them proper court 
um, performance. So it's not as Jimmy Stewart. It's, it's again, it's an old one. Mm. Um, and I think it's it's a good film, but because perhaps it was following more rigidly to what actually could happen, it doesn't have quite the same the dramatic reveal. The dramatic reveal actually comes out outside the courtroom. Um, yes. Where where the have, have you seen this? No, I've not seen it. Um, no. Where basically, well, I won't spoil it, but um, there are there are revelations that weren't made people weren't made aware of in the courtroom. So that's quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Rollins, To Kill a Mockingbird is is uh, an absolute classic. I've not seen it To Kill a Mockingbird. We should do this. <laughs> uh, did that one best film? I can't remember. Probably did, right? Uh, well, it was the same year as Lawrence Arabia, so I don't know whether that would have won. Oh. Um, but it's such such a good... I mean, it's such a great book. But, um, such a good film as well. Gregory Peck is awe-inspiring. He, he won Best Actor uh, that year. Um, it's largely not in the courtroom. I mean, it's, it's a whole story of Scout's childhood, in my view, but it does have a, a large segment in in the courtroom where you get to see um, Atticus Finch kind of take down the argument um, that, that Tom Robinson... Mm. Tom Robinson, isn't it? Um, was is a rapist and murderer? Not murderer, just rapist. Um, yeah, I, I've not seen the film. I've read the book, but I've heard great things about this film. I always wanted to see it. Yeah, it's it it, it lives up to the book, and the book is phenomenal. Oh. So, oh, next. Um, so the next film on my list is something that you'll definitely have high on my list because Tom Cruise is in it. Yes. <laughs> And it's uh, known for his very, very famous speech that Jack Nicholson says. You can't um, handle the truth. A Few Good Men, directed by Rob Reiner. And uh, written by Aaron Sorkin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure people know about this. And if you haven't, you should watch this just for the speech alone. But yeah, it's the same same concept, isn't it? Young young lawyer, young up, upstart lawyer uh, trying to, you know, make their way through the legal system yeah it's yeah. A, and, it's, and it's a military court so things are a bit different um to a civilian court it's it's also based on a place this is this is how aaron sorkin became famous which mm. was writing this play um although it does it feels less kind of bound by the it's like it doesn't all take place in the same room which is often if a film is being too closely adapted to a play um, it's a bit of a bugbear of mine uh yeah great performances all around stunning script definitely definitely want to watch very memorable um, and in fact, the, so the, 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 speaking of juries, as we were earlier, the, one of the, one of the fascinating things for me about American uh, courts is is the way that jury selection is such a huge part of it. Um, so I, I've watched things like The Good Wife stuff, but the, 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 in this country we don't really have that. But in in, this, in America, both sets of lawyers will be trying to get rid of the jury people that they don't like. Um, yep. So yep. You, you do see bits of that. So there's a film called um, Runaway Jury. Uh, which has got um, very specific jury selection going on. And if I remember right, I, Philadelphia, which I've, it's a long time since I've seen Philadelphia, but I think a large part of that is playing to the jury because it's a story about um, well, Tom Hanks as a guy with uh, HIV AIDS. and uh, He was fired because by his boss mm. for discrimination. And if I remember rightly, uh, I think, yeah, quite a lot is saying not just the truth of the, the case, but also saying, well, how how he will react to that and how do we... How do you put it in such a light that, that the jury would be sympathetic to it rather than just playing out the law? Um, it's interesting, though. It is interesting. Um, yeah, to kind of get the human reaction rather than just the uh, exactly. Because um, I mean, I guess this and again, it's a huge part of the genre, isn't it? Because it, yes. it's not just um, legal niceties. Um, what else you got? Uh, so I put down Erin Brockovich, but I don't think that's a courtroom film whatsoever. I don't know why it came out in my search. It was on the Wikipedia page, wasn't it? Um, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't but remember I'm anything in that court, she, no. Because she's not a lawyer. Well, she was. She she works as a legal assistant, if I'm not mistaken, but she doesn't end up in court. Yeah, I don't, I'm sure there must have been a courtroom scene in it, otherwise it wouldn't be on the list, but I don't remember it. Not <laughs> whatsoever, but Julia Roberts won her Oscar for this. She did. She did. Uh, yeah, it's a great, great film. Um Albert Finney might have won one as well. He's certainly nominated. Um, um, Miracle on 34th Street. I just I enjoyed the fact that's down as a courtroom drama. Um, <laughs> the whole basis being, is Father Christmas real? I Of all the ones we're doing today, yep. I suspect this is the one that's got least basis in legal fact. Um, um, yeah, <laughs> it sounds like it. Because um, I, I think... I don't think it, um, a court a judge would be able to decide that. But... Uh, who knows? Uh, Primal Fear, I saw uh, first time last year. Really, really good. Richard Gere, 
and I, again, he he's playing um, uh, the lawyer who is kind of he's the underdog. He's standing up to establish him, but um, he's defending Ed Norton, who's been accused of murder. Um, but he discovered that Ed Norton, who was his, it was his first film, I think, or something, his first big film, uh, and discovered that uh, he's got this kind of split personality syndrome. Um, ah. Uh, but yeah, lots of uh, fascinating twists and turns in that one, uh, and you kind of you see this one one of the things where you kind of see the personal life of well, you see how the, the effect it's having on the on the lead lawyer on Richard Gere in this case, defence lawyer, uh, and there's a few of these where kind of the focus is much more on the the impact on the on the people in question, um, something like the verdict. Well, last time Paul Newman, in fact, um, as mentioned earlier, um, that's all about the kind of the impact on on his character as opposed to necessarily the, the the legal case itself that's a fascinating aspect of that i definitely recommend the verdict mark saunders uh you'll know um recommended that one to me kind of an okay. older older paul newman one of, one of the best performances i've seen from him ah uh the last film i have on my list is a guilty pleasure a guilty is, pleasure uh, is that the name of, is yeah. that a title or is that your introduction no oh, okay yes yeah it's legally blonde okay does she go into a courtroom in legally blonde she does. It's been a while since I've seen Legally Blonde. It's real, it's real, yeah. And I just put it there because I just like, yeah, uh, it's a guilty pleasure of mine. And I, I, I like to watch it. You know, when it comes out on TV, I, I don't mind switching onto it just to watch it a little bit. Because it's just good, it's just good fun. We're getting another um, one, aren't we? We are. Hmm. I never saw the second one. Oh. No, me neither. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Again, I guess that's very much the underdog story, isn't it? It is, yeah. Literally, because she, she has a little dog. <laughs> um, yeah, I've got a few more there's a few John Grisham things so they, they tend to be fairly similar so Pelican Brief Rainmaker um, Firm I'm not sure they're going to a courtroom but it's all about lawyers I, mean, I think John Grisham might have been a lawyer at some stage but they're, they're all basically stories about young hotshot lawyers taking on the establishment um, the firm uh, same old story yep. yeah it's, it's, it's kind of the John Grisham pattern but uh, those three I've mentioned are all are all great fun. The Rainmaker actually is even is got a nice twist. It's Matt Damon and Danny DeVito, um, but Danny DeVito is not a young hotshot by any means. He's, he's been around the block, but he's kind of the um, he's just on a little shack somewhere out of town. He's he's got no money, <laughs> no one. I'm slightly, it's not quite a shack, but um, he's kind of run down, um, no money, and they're taking on the the big guys. So that's a kind mm. of classic John Grisham. Um, I mentioned the comedies thing. I think it's worth mentioning a couple of comedy uh, ones here. Um, firstly, Liar Liar. Um, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey as a as a lawyer, and the, the, the joke being, so he, he as everyone knows Liar Liar. He, he, he his son makes a wish that he couldn't lie, but how can he be a lawyer if he can't lie? Um, so that's a fun one. Jim Carrey at his his uh, at his best, maybe. Uh, and the last one, uh, My Cousin Vinny, which is a fantastic film um, written. It's directed by Jonathan Lynn, uh, starring Joe Pesci and an uh, Oscar win for Marissa Tomei, mm. um, which surprised people at the time, but she is phenomenal. Um, he's this kind of so, so two kids, one of whom is um, is the karate kid, in fact, and the other whom is um, Barry from Friends. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, they get uh, charged with murder, which they, which we know early on they didn't commit, um, and they bring in yep. one of their cousins. Um, Vinny, played by Joe Pesci, to be the lawyer, and it's just, it's hilarious. It's it's kind of Joe Pesci is this tough New York guy, uh, but he's only just qualified uh, for the bar, and he is coming down to this small town and clashes with the irascible judge and and how you. But um, it's again it sweeps the road a couple of times, but um, it's just very very funny, very well written, and uh, one of my probably my favorite from the, from this list. Ooh, maybe maybe to kill a mockingbird, but it's it's right up there. It's one of my favourites mm. in this list. So uh, check that one out. That's good. Um, what? Wow, we managed to do that very quickly. We zipped through that, didn't we? Um, I've got some. Yeah, more. I've got some more. We can keep going. Um, the Untouchables, great film. There you go. Um, <laughs> actually, um, I haven't mentioned the Witness of the Prosecution actually, which I saw last year, I think, for the first time, which is the first Agatha Christie play to be uh, adapted. Um, I think they moved quite far away from it. I'm curious, they didn't really publicise it as an Agatha Christie thing at all, um, which surprised me because she was huge. Uh, but again, it's it's um, it's very well done. It's another one of these that you kind of you think one thing's happening, and then right at the end you realise that something completely different is happening. Um, maybe slightly reminiscent of Primal Fear in some ways, but uh, uh, 
it's probably more accurate to real law, maybe. Mm. I don't know. That'll do it. Um, let's move on then to our final segment of the day, which is the oh, quiz. the quiz. Now, it's we've had a run of um, of draws, I believe. Um, yeah, and very poor scores as well. And I, I haven't won a quiz in many months. Um, <laughs> but you're still a hit, though. One up for the year. Um, trying to make. Only just one up. Just one up. It's been. Oh yes, you've, you've been within within drawing distance for some time, but we haven't been able to. Uh, uh, I get to the bottom. Um, we're doing a quiz this time on the the Home Alone films. Um, as you messaged me <laughs> during the week, we're not doing the made for TV ones. Nope, I didn't know they were made for TV. I ones. didn't know that either. Um, so, I mean, in fairness, I've seen the first one maybe um, twenty five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> maybe more than that. Um, so let's see how let's see how good how I am well reading we Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> do you want to do you want to kick us off? Um, yeah, question one. Kevin McAllister is the youngest of how many children? I've realised that I've, for the first time ever I've messed up our system because I suggested Home Alone, which means I should do the first question. I've ru- yeah, I know. I've ruined, do you want to do it now? I've ruined the system. It's too late. Um, he's the youngest, I don't know, five children. Yeah, that's correct. Oh, sweet. <laughs> okay. I mean, yes, I knew that. Um, where did the McAllisters fly to in the first Home Alone film? Oh... Uh... Paris, right? It is Paris, yes. Hmm. Uh, do you want to do the next one then, Carly? Yeah, all just right. To just to get us back into sync. Um, this is kind of like ABBA. This is how they do... This is how penalty shootouts are taken in football now. Um, anyway, uh, which sitcom actor was the part of Uncle Frank originally written for? Mm, which sitcom actor? Uh, oh, no. It's such a long time ago. <laughs> no, I can't think of any right now. John Lifko. Ooh, not bad shout. Uh, Kelsey Grammer. Ah. Uh, question two. Uh, Kieran Culkin, Macaulay Culkin's younger brother, also appears in the Home Alone series. What relation does his character have with Kevin? Uh, he's a cousin. Yes, that's correct. Uh, question three. What is the name of the film within a film that contains the famous line, Keep the change, you filthy animal? Uh, um, no, I don't know this. Definitely do not know this at all. I'm not even going to try and hazard a guess. No, no, go it's, it's not guessable, really. Um, angels with filthy souls. Yeah, no way. <laughs> uh, question three. Well, what do the wet bam- bandits rename themselves as in Home Alone 2? Uh, the Sticky Bandits. That's correct. You've done your research well on Wikipedia. I have. Question four. What do the wet bandits rename themselves for Home Alone 2? <laughs> The sticky bandits. Very good. You've done your research as well. No, I just paid attention. Yes, you just listened to my answer. <laughs> uh, question four. Uh, the director of Home Alone 3, Roger Gosnell, previously worked as what for the first two films? Uh, he was the editor. That's correct. Uh, question. I've, I've already won this one, by the way. Um, Have you? I, I'm four up and you've only got two with one to go. So, yeah. It's 4-2. Anyway, here you go. Um, question 5. Who wrote and co-produced Home Alone 3? Uh, who wrote and co-produced? Yeah. I don't know why I'm taking such a long time even though I've lost it. Well, I just want to do it. Yeah, Is it Chris Columbus? Uh, it's John Hughes who wrote them all, in fact. All these all three. Ah. Um, so this is question... my chance for a clean sweep. Yeah, finally. Uh Question five. In Home Alone 3, what toy did the thieves put the stolen computer chip in, yeah. which ended up in the care of the protagonist? Uh, it's not going to be a clean sweep. Um, <laughs> are, are they Furbies? No, it's a remote control car. I'm, guess, I'm guessing they're not a real toy. That's a terrible guess. Um, well, there you go. I'm pleased with that. Um, uh, how many more quizzes do we have left to the end of the year? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Um, we've still got quite a few. It's only August. Plenty of time. Seven. Uh, let's pull this back. Uh, what's, what are you quizzing on next time, Vision? Or at least next time are you're we, here. Is it me? Oh. Oh. I thought, you, you see, right, the whole point of me not being here next is time... You don't do any preparation whatsoever. <laughs> exactly. That's the whole point of this. Okay, I, I've thought of one actually along the way. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, we did a Matrix before, didn't we? Maybe. So we are going to do all other Wachowski films apart from the Matrix. Oh, okay, that's fun. 
Cool. Um, next time you are not here, as 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 previously advertised, um, my good friend Richard will be subbing in. Um, we will be thanks, Richard. Thank you, Richard. Uh, we'll be talking about um, the top ten films beginning with the letter R. Um, which will be asked. If you have a film you'd like to contribute to that, please get in touch. Um, CZ of Movies at gmail.com at CZ of Movies um, on Twitter. Let us know. Um, we'll be covering a few other things as well. So, looking forward to that. And uh, I guess you're looking forward to your holidays, Asian. Yep. Can't wait. <laughs>